0: Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20 some odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend Michael Poli. Watch one episode of Buffy week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome uh, to the next episode of Buffy Virgin. I am your host, Dennis St. John. We have with us everyone who will now introduce themselves in order. Hi, I'm
1: Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season three, episode 18, Earshot. My name's
2: John.
3: Uh, I'm one of the guys who's on the show. (laughs) They call him Teach. My name's Travis, they call me Scalpel, like just all the time, my closest
0: friends and total strangers. (laughs) (laughs) They just, they don't even know your profession. Oh, that guy's Scalpel, right? (laughs) Uh, So this episode we are watching Earshot. Um, But before we get into any of that, uh, we're gonna go into reactions um, and, uh, I'm going to thank people for leaving us a review on, uh, iTunes. Uh, it really helps. I I'm, re- I'm even going to thank surf 2 die for who left us a one-star review and we are going to now have John make fun of you for five minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, let's read it first. He says, uh, Better off dusted than listening to this one. They waffled on endlessly about their own lives, promised to get back to the show topic, then yammered on about each other for another 15 minutes. I slogged through one episode, but when the next one was just as brutally inane and boring, I gave up on them.
0: I doubt we ever promised to get back to topic. That sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah, I just... uh, I
2: would like to say that I think that we should be off topic more often. I think that the only thing that makes this interesting, if it is interesting to anyone, is uh, that we connect (laughs) Buffy to our personal lives. Not that we talk about Buffy. There's about a trillion podcasts that do that. I mean, there's probably also a trillion podcasts by like suburban men talking about TV shows and their own lives. I mean, that's not original either, but uh, I'm just not going to apologize for any of that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes we find you laughable serve to die for <laughs> um, we are going to thank uh dan danu midwife um, for leaving us a really nice review uh i feel like you kind of get what we want to do and everything so that's really nice as i say i look forward to every week to this podcast um i'm
3: vindicated because they wish they, w- they wish we would edit out the pauses and i am totally on board with that but um danu midwife i am not in charge of that at all but I like, I like your suggestion.
0: Yeah. I also think she or they uh, or him uh, calls out like that. We are an amateur podcast. Like that's what we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's no like, there's no shame in that. This is We're not. Trying. We're trying. We're trying. All right. Um, so let's move on to the episode. I just want to, before we get into like a summary or anything, I just want to say, I don't know how deep and heavy into themes we're going to get this episode, but this episode has mass shootings and suicides. We're probably going to talk about it. Um, So I just at the top of the show want to say if you're feeling suicidal, if you have these urges, there's um, the National Suicide Hotline number is uh, 1-800-273-8255. And if you don't want to talk on the phone, if you're more comfortable texting, you can text HOME to 741741. Um, But, you know, this episode, it gets heavy, but is also really funny, Um, so let's move on to the summary, provided by Lando. The Summary
2: It's patrol time. Time for a little rough and tumble at the playground. Nothing new for Buffy, except, these aren't just your everyday vampires or demons. They're twin demons with no mouths. Buffy handily impales one of them while the other one runs off into the shadows and some shimmery demon juice quietly soaks into Buffy's hand. When her hand starts to itch, a little research reveals that Buffy may have been infected with an aspect of the demon. Everyone has a good time trying to guess just which demonic aspect Buffy will develop, but they don't have to guess for long. By the next day, Buffy has begun reading the minds of those around her. At first, reading thoughts seems great. Buffy could read her enemies' minds. She can listen in on Xander's every creeptastic thought. She can even cheat in English class. But before long, the drawbacks are obvious. As the Buffsters' ESP becomes esp the collective thoughts of Sunnydale High become increasingly loud and numerous. Buffy can't handle it. She swoons but not before she hears a single voice above the crowd. This time tomorrow, I'll kill you all. Buffy awakes, surrounded by friends, but still unable to cope with the oppressive din of everyone else's inner monologues. She sends off the Scoobies to interrogate the student body and find the would-be killer before he or she strikes. Buffy herself is unable to help with the interrogation as the voices continue to overwhelm her, finally placing her into a coma. While the gang interrogates the denizens of SDHS, Angel takes matters into his own fangs, tracking down the second mouthless demon and removing his heart so that Giles and mini-Giles can mix up a potion to cure Buffy. Finally free of her cross-cognitive curse, Buffy rushes to the school, just in time to catch Jonathan in the school's clock tower, assembling a rifle. You see, for three seasons now, no one's ever noticed Jonathan. No one's ever listened to him. And that's why he's decided to kill. Himself? It seems Buffy is just in time to help Jonathan past his own suicidal moment. But he isn't actually the one planning to hurt others. No, it turns out that it was the evil lunch lady. It seems that years of serving up slop to the pimple set has driven her to pour an entire box of Acme brand rat poison into the school's Jello supply, so Buffy smacks her around, and all is again well. The end. All
0: right. Thank you. Uh, let's move on to uh, great lines. Great lines. Um, I really like the uh, when Willow's reading the school paper. She goes, "The school paper is edging on depressing lately. You guys notice that?" I don't know. I always go straight to the obits. <laughs> this is so dark. It's <laughs> life on the Hellmouth, math, man. Um, and while Buffy is reading people's minds, there's some really good ones. Um, and I like Oz's, Buffy is all of us. We think therefore she is. That's uh, pretty deep.
3: That is awesome. Uh, so for me, um, at the end of the episode, um, Buffy, and G- Buffy and Giles are talking. And Buffy's like, "Joe, I think Jonathan likes me." And Joe says, "You should take Jonathan with you to prom. That would really boost his confidence." And Buffy goes, "What am I, Saint Buffy?" He's
2: <laughs> <ball."> <laughs>
3: like, <laughs> "Just great." Buffy is just like not having it. <laughs> I like the dance. What am I, Saint Buffy? She kind of is.
2: <laughs> uh, I like when Cordelia says, "I've never cheered so hard in my life. I still have knee marks on my back." from the pyramid
3: <laughs> <laughs> she's so over the Scooby gang i like
1: this one that feels a little bit anachronistic oh. I mean, it, like it's just part of the what's magical about this episode uh xander yeah i mean who hasn't just idly thought about taking out the whole place of the semi-automatic i said idly
0: yeah <laughs> oh my god it's really like uh it's a joke right there. <laughs> there's
1: so many jokes in this episode that you would never get in a not modern show and I'm, we'll get it literally that.
2: made on the last day that you could make that joke Is, yeah. did this come out yeah. on April 13th <laughs> not not exactly we'll talk about it
0: it was filmed okay. before then but yeah all right let's move on to weird noticings and trivia weird noticings so uh, the episode begins with Buffy being chased by two monsters um, and I just think the demons look really great this episode. Uh, they don't get a name, but they're called the Scabby Demons, um, which I feel like is underselling how crazy looking they are. Uh, they don't have mouths. Uh, they're full body suits, which is always like a tough choice to go for the full body suits, uh, but their faces look great. Um,
2: yes, but the uh, liquid on Buffy's hand that like, disappears into her hand is maybe the worst special effect in all of season three.
0: That is a real race for special. Yeah, shit. <laughs> I think well, that snake demon. I think will raise you. <laughs> that snake demon was bad. Was that uh, season three in Band Candy? Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. You know, Band Candy gets a big reference this episode. Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they really, uh, they really are showing off their CG budget this season. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the co- it looks like it's bleeding the color from outer space. <laughs> She just left it there because it
3: was so weird. It's like, who's going to come and move this body? They're going to get that fluid all over them. It's like, she just like killed it on a picnic table and left it for the dogs. It's like, dude, who's cleaning up this fucking crazy demon body?
0: Yeah, that's true. You know, that's a that really good point. This happens so often. I forget about it. Like the early, the early morning dog walkers are going to be like, fuck, what is that? <laughs> I like that Oz is interested in a potential <laughs> were dog when Buffy is uh, describing her patrol like two days in the, the in the next few days. She says, like, I thought I saw a four-legged demon. It was a dog. A were dog. <laughs> um, I wanna know what a were dog would be. <laughs> you
2: know? How is a were dog different than a werewolf? It's like a werewolf but with uh
3: floppier ears and a better disposition. What if it was a dog that was bitten by a werewolf? Yeah. What if it is a dog what if it's human three days out of the month
0: yeah oh what if it's a dog that becomes a wolf for three days another good point
1: those are all great those would be great rick and morty episodes
2: i love it
3: (laughs) fan fiction happening uh john
2: uh we already kind of covered it in good lines but i i I really like that this uh high school student paper has an obituary section it's another reference to the fact that maybe buffy's not saving all the lives i mean she's saving some but it might be kind of pointless
3: as (laughs) joyce would say
1: does anybody call out all the weird headlines in the paper
3: (laughs) oh they're so good did we pause the screen
0: on that uh i felt like i i felt like that would be something john would do (laughs) i didn't i didn't i didn't do that i should There was a good one that was like apathy on the rise no one cares yeah I saw (laughs) yeah they were all
1: like you know high school onion headline kind of things they were really fun that whole like high school newspaper character in that world was a really fun weird trip i enjoyed that
0: yeah i like that the student newspapers apparently just run completely by one guy (laughs) it does like all the reviews everything freddie graves a red herring this episode
1: oh there's so much red herring this
3: episode oh yeah so this is like the first time like athletics was a good thing in Buffy in the Buffyverse but it's also like uh it's kind of like weird because Willow that Percy guy is still like under Willow's charm and it's like he's still doing whatever she wants and then he she's like I have to pay attention to him he needs or wait I have to applaud he needs my he needs attention or he craves attention or something yeah Yeah. it was just like the weirdest like we're still having this plot Hold on, we, we, we' like shredded like so many plots. That we're not following up, but no we're going to follow. But
0: yeah, up. the Percy one is continuing. <laughs>
3: I, forgot, I forgot about this plot. I'm like I what I what's happening.
0: I've always thought of that as like even there's a certain point where maybe like even the outsiders, like in a high school do go to one game or, or like I'm, yeah, you know my hostility doesn't need to be sustained this much. I'm not <laughs> But then again, it's at the end of
3: you know they're all seniors, so. I think in, in real high school at when we were all seniors you know i think like the you know the animosity level dropped off towards the end of the year
0: yeah i like yes. it, it i it still didn't of, go to sports games though <laughs> we still yeah. call them sports games <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it reminds me kind of that uh freaks and geeks episode where the, the freaks get really into a basketball game because like their car gets vandalized by the, either t- by the other team or something. So it ends with them like passionately cheering for the basketball team. Uh, Travis, you have uh, oh. a critique of the Watchers Council. Yeah, the
3: Watcher Council just really sucks. They have no info on anything. And they're still, like Wesley's still like a really cringy character this episode.
0: I think it's like, cringe factor increases this episode. It
3: definitely <laughs> increases and he's kind of just so petty. And, uh, but he's called Pierce Brosnan, which is crazy. I mean, he just has dark hair, like Pierce Brosnan, but it's just a weird <laughs> reference. It's a reference for the nineties. Cause no one would ever think no one would ever associate Pierce Brosnan with James Bond. Otherwise.
1: Well, he has a, he has dark enough. He has a look, yeah. he could totally do like a lookalikey thing. Like if you were at a corporate yeah. function and you're like playing roulette and he could be like, uh, you know, like the roulette guy or whatever. And you'd
3: be like, Oh, James Bond. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Wait. like it's like in the 1990s, he got the Brosnan haircut. You know, there's like the Rachel haircut for women. Like, he's got the Brosnan. Mm-hmm.
2: Can I hear more about Mike's crazy workplace where there's a roulette look-alike game? This is what you do at work?
1: Oh, I may have dived
2: a little bit too deep
1: <laughs> in that fantasy. So I worked for a little while with a guy who worked as a Pierce Brosnan impersonator. <laughs> you guys would love this. It was his part-time job, or... This guy who is a Pierce Brosnan impersonator got a lot of work as, as a Pierce Brosnan lookalike, And he would totally get hired to these parties, corporate parties, where they'd have like a Monte Carlo night to be just the Bond
2: character.
0: Oh, uh, wait, okay. So you just like walk around like in character, in persona?
2: That's correct. <laughs> I, I love that you brought this up as something we
1: could all relate to. <laughs> well, I spent so much time with this person, all of these things became normal.
2: And uh, they're not, I learned. that's amazing uh,
1: uh, yeah I don't want to necessarily call him out I don't know if he's still doing that let
0: me just double check to see what he's up to alright let's move on while Mike is doing research uh, no, I've
1: so... done the research <laughs> anyway I just shared a YouTube link are we going to you... watch this together? Uh, sure why not let's watch just... this <laughs> 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 the name is Reikley Glenn Reikley. Did you welcome <laughs> I don't know if I filmed this 2008. Yeah, I probably did. He
3: totally did.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's got the finger gun. You don't have
1: to
0: have an ordinary party. Make it unique. Make it a bond. James Bond party. Look at all these fine companies that couldn't say no. Donald Donald Trump. Trump! Whoa! This guys worked for trump <laughs> this should be redacted no matter where in the world you are you can find me glenn007.com
2: oh my god he's not even trying on the accent why is he not doing the accent
0: and remember the martinis are shaken
2: oh not he's kind stirring. of
0: trying it is it's you trying. at a party soon wow thank you for sharing this oh man oh mike. Mike. that's rough,
2: uh, <laughs> mike how does this go so like you hire him and he comes to your party and then what happens Everyone's like, who's you just
1: this play guy off. who's
3: vaguely famous looking.
1: Have you guys ever planned a
2: party? I mean, how cool would it be
1: to have I James Bond K. at your party? <laughs> but like what does he do? Is he just standing there looking? You know what? Because it's, you know it's not Commander Kirk, that's why you're so <laughs>
2: Commander Kirk. <laughs> No, but does he just does he just stand there? Or do you like ask him questions? Does he like play? Is he it in Magneto character? Was at your party? You'd be like,
1: guys, also Magneto is here. <laughs> it's kind of like the way they plan kids' parties, but for adults, right? It's the same mentality,
2: you know. But does he perform? Is there like a is there a stick? Is there? A- he
1: comes dressed in a full suit, and then he a- as Bond,
2: but so he's in character. Yeah, he has With an sort of like-
1: American accent. I mean, whatever you heard. I think that's the accent he
3: does. <laughs> he's no Alexis Denisoff. I'll give him, I'll say that. <laughs> so oh, he like,
2: he improvs well,
3: he looks like a Bond character. character. He looks he's, like Hasselhoff. That's what one of the comments said. He's watched all
2: the movies. He, you could like, you know, could ask him about Moonraker. And he'd be like, oh yes, that was the time that
0: I was on a Moonraker. You wouldn't ask him about a Roger Moore movie. No, Stuff he would
1: know about the
3: <laughs> oh, There's communal right. knowledge. <laughs> There's communal Bond knowledge oh wow Mike that's
2: a very strange chapter of your past
3: topic, we need to get back on top oh no <laughs>
2: surf 4surf24die or whatever his name is Is uh? oh my god uh, he's now going to be very, very displeased oh. that we're talking about the James Bond impersonator
0: I don't think this counts as our life this is <laughs> somebody else's life
2: also it'd be really funny if he was still hate listening to it at this point <laughs>
1: Oh, no, he listened to the first episode and was like, (laughs) fuck this.
0: (laughs) So uh, once the group finds out Buffy's psychic, um, we get to see how they all react. And I think it's like telling about their characters. So Cordelia really just says what she's thinking. Like, it's basically just her thoughts are like on like a two second delay from her mouth. (laughs) Uh, Willow is like genuinely worried about a lot of stuff. Like, is Buffy even human? Is like, is this power taking... Oz away from her, or, you know, complicated thoughts but like emotional um, Oz has inner depths <laughs> Oz is basically Descartes um, <laughs> and Xander may have improved marginally this season, but in his thoughts, in his mind, in his heart he's really Horndog Xander <laughs> So that's my assessment Oh and uh, oh. of course uh, Wesley is a bad boy a naughty boy <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like that uh, we got uh, Interrogation Willow back. Yeah, yes. they're like going around. And like, it's interesting that she also goes, she immediately goes back. The first interrogation we see is she interrogates Jonathan again. She yeah. goes right back to her old habits.
3: And she's like all about fantasies. She, she is like the weirdest interrogator. Like, that's what she says. Fantasies are wonderful. Aren't fantasies wonderful? And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going to happen?
1: That's such a weird scene because... You know, you wa- I watched that interrogation scene deliberately again after the episode played out because I was like, wait, was there a clue that something was up? There are no clues in that scene. <laughs> this episode has,
0: is just, everything is diverting you from everything else. It is insane. I'd say there's a clue in the scene where Buffy grabs Jonathan and just that he's like, she noticed me. Like, yeah. And before it, he's like, she doesn't even notice me. Like just where where he's at. Did, remind me, did we ever have a, a scene where she actually said his
3: name after the after season, after the episode where she's like, you there? <laughs> oh, at the party? <laughs> at the party. did She said Jonathan, right, since then? Because I feel like that was like a momentous occasion. Like, <laughs> she knows my name.
1: I don't think so, right? I haven't I asked a remember, about it.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, we should have been keeping tighter. I feel like there was an episode after that where he was been in. Like, I'm not
3: sure she's ever screamed his name.
0: Yeah, Will always used his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know but if Buffy they know who he is because his name has been brought up before. Yeah, <laughs> that slippery little fish. All right, uh, John.
2: Uh, yeah, I just noticed that when uh, Angel brings the heart of the demon to Buffy, it's a glowing blue liquid with chunks in it. So I wanna know did Angel, it's supposed to be its heart. So did Angel pull out the heart and like put it in a food processor? Did he blend uh, it up?
0: Before he gets the heart, there's a scene where Giles and Wesley are putting ingredients and grinding stuff into the scene. Oh, container. okay. So I think the heart must just be like a part of the spell. I see, so I bet he they're, did.
2: they're making a potion already and then they have to use the heart as like in one step of making the potion.
0: Yeah, so I bet I he see. did food processor it and I would never use that food processor again. <laughs> uh Mike. Oh yeah, um so
1: this is a pr- I have a prediction about this. So seeing uh well I guess when Buffy reveals that she you know discovers through Joyce's thoughts apparently Joyce is always thinking about this apparently <laughs> that uh she and Giles had sex twice on top of a cop car during the hard candy episode the the band candy episode. I I was totally thrown by that scene. It was hard candy for Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah twice on top of a cop car huh that's pretty pretty baller story
2: <laughs> it's weird that giles doesn't give any of that away like it seems like for joyce it's like a don't think about an elephant thing and when she's with buffy she's really worried about it so she can't help but think about it but then giles apparently has no problem for getting it
3: giles a on his plate he's got he's you know he's trying to figure he's trying to problem solve you know that's where that's his mode he was in but it was like probably the one of the best lines ever was at the very end of the episode where she's telling, where he, when she says something, he runs into a tree. Like the actress is so happy when she says it. I think she knows how amazing a line that is. <laughs> there was like glee. You could hear the glee in, in Sarah Michelle Gellar's voice when she says that line at the end. It, it was The
1: line which is, sure, we can work it after school. You know if you're not too busy having sex with my mother. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like gee there was some genuine joy in that line it was pretty great it's a
0: reverse
2: yo
3: mama joke
0: yeah yeah i read on one of the things i was looking at today that uh the walking into a tree was anthony stewart head's idea and he was surprised they let him do it (laughs) (laughs) it's very slapstick walk into a tree
1: (laughs) so the other part here that was kind of funny uh when they go to approach the you know the dude that runs the newspaper whatever he's like you guys are here to get me because of the review about how <laughs> it my baby sucks and like my first thought wasn't like eh, maybe it was like you gotta ignore that shit Oz your band's great I like all the scenes where your band is in you gotta ignore those shitty reviews you gotta make good music your your own generation can't judge that stuff man
2: I like the way that uh, he talks about his music because he's always been self-deprecating about his music and it's he doesn't need the band to be good for it to be worth his time which I think is kind of cool Oh, very like true. Yes. Yeah, like this podcast exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like this amateur like, podcast.
3: I, I feel like there could have been more to that. It could have been like, you know, that's why. That's why. Um, uh, that's why Oz was there. But then, like, and then, then the, with that guy would turn the wheel and be like, and and I thought you're here to bust me for all those or the ex I was writing as you, for you as a substitute teacher. <laughs> like, and you were the, like, you knew about the, being the
0: number one school bully, bully to Buffy. Like, I feel like there was like several things he could have been working on. I do like after they find out it's not him and stuff. And then Buffy walks in the room and they go into immediate like planning mode right in front of him. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a shot after they all leave of him. And he doesn't even seem that puzzled by it. It's
3: just like, okay. he, he knows they were in the school.
0: But I think a good reporter would have gone with them, would have been like, this. I got a scoop. Did you guys notice
2: the uh, room that, that he writes from? That it's, I guess, I mean, I don't know. When we were in school. The newspaper was a class and it was, you know, took place in like an English classroom or something. But there's apparently a newspaper room that's just his office because it's just one desk that he apparently owns and sits yeah, in.
0: He runs the paper this is like the other like uh spinoff show that happened at the exact same time that uh-huh. just never aired, where he's like the detective journalist. It's like Colchak the Night Stalker, where he's like solving <laughs> every crime. And every single time he's like, Oh, it's just Buffy related. <laughs> Dude, don't even get me started. I mean we were in the newspaper, we met in the library and stuff. This is yeah. also really similar to how the newspaper room is set up in Smallville. Yeah. And, and this is I'm I'm a gonna, ball of I'm weird early and say i
3: miss typewriters like he had this he had a late model typewriter on the desk no computer although presumably you he would have been drafting on that on a computer to publish the newspaper but he just had this awesome old typewriter like it was bomb i was like looking at that and be like whoa that's really cool
2: <laughs> there would be a computer but there's no way, no one to teach him how to use it
0: yeah. in high school <laughs> that's sad uh mike you got mike. an analysis here
1: Oh, well, so as I was watching this episode, I'm sure everyone was thinking this, but like I'm seeing basically the premise for True Blood, uh, you know, the Charlene Harris series. And I looked it up, Charlene Harris's book series, uh, that became True Blood, the Sookie Sackhouse series, Dead Until Dark came out in May, 2001. So very likely that the idea for a person over here thoughts, except the vampire's thoughts, uh, you know, this idea clearly stated in this episode. So I, I don't know how much, you know, Buffy reverberates throughout urban fantasy in the O-thous- 2000s. But it oh, seems it's got to like, be huge.
3: Like it was a a huge. Yeah, culturally, it was huge.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I also interpret that scene as like, you know, maybe Angel is telling the truth about like how like the reflection of his mind works. Or maybe he just doesn't like think in a normal way that people can hear. Like... <laughs> oh interesting he, he's just like a ghost that's why you he can't hear it because he's like a gorilla <laughs>
3: oh man we didn't do the funny line where he's like i've been i don't want a bad girl like faith i've been with dozens or more of those women before <laughs> that's weird he's like this honesty thing is rough it's <laughs> the so
0: weirdest thing He's, you know, whatever, however old he is. Like he also mentions his age and he doesn't say anything about the like thousands of years he spent in hell. They're just not counting that, I guess.
2: Maybe that's what he's talking about.
0: Maybe he's talking about like all of the bad girls demons. that he met in hell. <laughs> <laughs> those are the real bad girls.
2: <laughs> is he talking about all the bad girls he slept with as a, as a monster or as yeah. like a human? You're
0: I feel right like he's now. talking
2: about like Drusilla and Darla. Yeah
3: yeah
1: those girls might be worse than faith right yeah might I might it so out. higher
2: body count anyway so so
1: far. so far so far
0: you know a couple hundred years to build up <clears throat> oh um, man so i don't remember there being a clock tower on the sunnydale campus before <laughs> <laughs> save the clock tower <laughs> that that sniper's nest seems new <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think, I, think, I think we've seen exterior shots that could have a clock tower. It's not, that, it's not that high up. It's not like super, I don't know. I believe it, but.
0: I don't know. Usually, I mean, it's like it's in the middle of the building. It's in the middle of the quad. Usually clock towers would be like yeah. facing the front. You design the
1: whole building around the clock tower. It's not some off to the left thing. It's yeah. like there's so much <laughs> symmetry in, these, in architecture. It's insane where it's
0: positioned i'm pretty sure they built this for the episode totally (laughs) i just i think it's funny that when cordelia is looking for jonathan she like grabs every short boy and like stares intently at her face at their face like i am going to figure out if you're jonathan or not all
1: right well speaking of jonathan of course uh in the this pivotal scene where you know he's like slowly putting together a rifle it just like the intent on his face is so strange It just, I don't have the sense he knows how guns work in any scene where he's, where the guns are happening. I know it's all done very deliberately and like almost as if he's under a spell or something. I have a lot of questions about why Jonathan's doing this stuff, but uh, it just doesn't look like he knows how it works. Also, I mean, we'll get to this as an aside, but like if you're going to kill yourself, the rifle seems very out of place as the right tool. And it's more of this TV red herring stuff to like make us be worried about other students. Uh, also location, I mean, everything. I and mean, we'll get into it, but uh, it just, I, everything about that scene as I was watching it made me feel uncomfortable. Like this can't be happening. This doesn't make any, like everything about this feels strange. Like there has to be a spell or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Yeah, he definitely doesn't seem to like, I thought about that while he was holding the gun that like the butt of the rifle was like under his arm. And I was like, the real recoil from that is gonna go bonkers, right?
1: Yeah, uh, and then uh, so then they've got no time to wrap up the episode, and we'll we'll talk about this. I'm sure more, but like, uh, and then so Xander is right; they
2: are trying to kill the kids with rat poison. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I love
2: I, the the comical giant box it just says it's like it's like from a Wile E. <laughs> Wile e. Coyote cartoon or something. It just says rat
3: poison. <laughs> It's like there's a crate of dynamite. That's a wooden crate with this big word "dynamite" spray painted on it.
0: Well, you don't want your rat poison to be confused. You don't want to have like a your rat poison and your dog food right next to each other, right? I yelled at my laptop. I said, "No!" <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did you like how the voice—the voice that Buffy heard—was like you know warbled, so you couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman? Was that a good effect? i didn't think about it you really weren't like yeah this is kind of cop out it's kind of cool like they're like so much anger they came and tell us yeah Yeah. something else
1: well i like the premise of the mystery of them trying to figure out whose voice because there's a they know that someone's plotting something and the idea of them trying to solve a school shooting before it happens is like kind of a fun crazy story so i was totally hooked on that idea but then like where it goes like uh, you know made no sense but like you know, I like the premise, and I love that. Det- I love anytime there's detective work and people doing interrogations, like when the team splits up to do it. This is like not the first time this has happened. It's great. I love that.
3: I feel like I feel like if it was filmed now, they'd do a whole season. Like this would be the the pilot of like the show, like, and then the, the whole season is finding out who said that. Right. You know, but Buffy, it's like, give me five minutes. Give me, give me 15 minutes. We're gonna have this. We're gonna have this. Mf wrapped up. You know what I mean? It's like more stuff to cover.
0: Uh, So before we finish up uh, the weird noticing trivia, I just wanted to pull from the Wikipedia. This is what um, it says about the broadcast. Um, The Columbine High School Massacre occurred one week before the episode was originally scheduled to air Uh, because it included a scene with a student loading a rifle, apparently for mass murder, but in reality for suicide. The WB um, substituted a rerun of bad girls and the episode was delayed until September, 1999, two weeks prior to the season four premiere. So I'm just to give the context of where we were um, when this episode aired.
1: Oh, I'm surprised they pulled it. That makes sense. I mean, I wasn't watching Buffy b to week but, uh, and I have no sense of how many shows were altered or moved. That's, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. I
3: think the, the finale was shifted to the summer as well, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have more, more of this info in the future podcast. Uh, let's move on to questions
0: for group. Questions for the group.
1: All right, Mike. Yep, Uh, so I got the first question here. Um, So I love the idea of being able to hear people's thoughts. And what are the first few things you think you would do if you could hear everyone's thoughts? And then I have a follow-up question. What would you do if you found out it was
0: permanent? So first things you would do if you could hear everyone's thoughts around you. Um, Yeah, I feel like this would be a definite like be careful what you wish for situation where I might want to know what people really think about me and then be like, oh, I wish I didn't know.
3: <laughs> like when you're talking to some girl you barely know and she puts a necklace around your neck and you're like, she's like, come on, what you wish? Well, I wish I really knew what
0: Mr. Jones thought about me. And it's like, everything goes black. And, yeah. I'd like to know, like sometimes when you're driving and you're dealing with like maniacs on the road, like what are they thinking? I'd like to actually know that. I, there seems to be very few advantages to this. I mean, you
2: could use it to make money, solve crimes. Yeah, I guess you could solve certain crimes, but like, what would you do once you knew? Like, would you be like, all right, everybody, I'm a psychic, so, blah, or would you have to find, so you'd have to then go and find some other way to prove it if people didn't believe you were a psychic?
0: Yeah. Dude, this I, sounds like the setup for another psych. TV show.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I spent the better part of a decade rehearsing what I'd do if I somehow <laughs> solved a crime, but didn't have any legitimate way to explain how I'd solved that crime. Well, I don't yeah, want to solve crimes.
1: <laughs> obviously, day one, you go to a jail and you listen to all the prisoners you're thinking, right? I mean, the, the crazy thing is like, with there this you power, you can separate people, what they present from, you know, this reality that they hide from the world and to find out if it's truthful or not. And like, that power is so insane obviously like I'm scared of what would happen with me and my wife because you know we present one version of reality to each other and that would be terrifying and then obviously my work colleagues you know there's that next level that's terrifying and then going out into the world is really scary because you know I assume everyone's like hey you know but you're like they're like yeah man where am I gonna give her that body you know like whatever they're (laughs) thinking like that seems really scary for my improv career it's amazing because i can know exactly where the scenes are going So my, my performance ability would you know be just insane i can tell what the audience is thinking what they'd like to see um i could be a magician which i not necessarily what i want to do but i could be a magician like that because you know like mind reading no problem so i feel like my career as a performer takes off but my personal life falls
0: apart uh in the long yeah
1: time, if it was a permanent power.
0: Yeah, well, I also think like there's the two options of what happens if it's permanent. It could be like this Buffy thing where you can't control it and you go insane. Or it could be the, the like X-Men thing of like you learn to control it, you learn to shut out the voices when you don't need it. It depends on like what your level of control is. Like that's why you need Charles Xavier to help train you.
1: <laughs> you're right, Buffy is a, like, this is her totally started the mutant origins of Buffy on the X-Men. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. <laughs>
3: No, it depends on who your comic book pub- publisher is going to be. So you got to get that that's what you got to get ironed out first and then you'll decide how you fare. <laughs>
0: um the way that they I I'm going to pull up the Buffy Monster Manual for a minute. nice. Um so the way they talk about uh Buffy's psychic powers in this episode is um So this is from Jane Espenson. Uh, The fact that you're a slayer means you associate with demons. Therefore, infection through demon contact is sort of a professional hazard. Like, then she goes into this thing about how cops can become criminals. Like, uh, Buffy has special non-human powers. There's a hint of the demon world in her. This is an episode in which you think, uh, in which you got to explore the idea of Buffy having powers beyond human. Willow even thinks she's hardly even human anymore. Uh, so I think this is an episode where we take Buffy to the point of being a monster. The notion of a balance that you need to get uh, you need the good and the bad to uh, to balance, which the Whistler articulates uh, has certainly been a part of the mythology and theology of the actual world of our actual world uh, for a very long time. You need these two oppo- uh, opposing forces and Buffy is the captain of one of those but her job would be meaningless without the others. Aww.
3: I love Jana Svensson, she's amazing.
1: Who is and, she? Is she a writer on the show?
3: Yeah, she's, she wrote this episode. Oh, okay. She also became like a producer too and, and she's still working in Hollywood, which is what's amazing. Um, but it's kind of like, I mean, Buffy already has like baseline somewhat psychic abilities. And it's like, you throw this on top of it. I and mean, I think I feel like other episodes she's had more psychic stuff happen.
0: This is she's more She's got like her my- predictive dreams and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. like, I wonder why it's pretty cool. The demons aren't better psychics. Like Buffy's able to fake them out. They mostly seem to psychically <laughs> each other. Maybe it's because they have like small non-human brains. So like the full extent of the power can only be like, well, it's
3: more of like a, just a, a straight up mind reading power really than like psychic, like predicting the future type powers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the term psychic, like is like a base, that covers a lot of this yeah, stuff from telepathic, chance, yeah. telekinetic, telekinetic, like uh, mix. But she can't communicate with the demons
1: at all, right? Or know what they're thinking, right? This power is like a has a weird human. It's
3: one
0: way. Element. Yeah, we never see her communicate with dogs or something.
1: And then the demons, we we assume they're communicating telepathically. Is that ever confirmed?
3: Yeah, it is confirmed. They have no mouth, it's, a, the, it's That's just right. no mind mouth, right. they have The mind project because they
0: all can read minds, so and it's play. it's supposed to be indicated in the first fight scene when like one of them ducks while the other throws a knife and stuff like that but you oh, don't okay. like they don't really go into these scabby demons you know i didn't rewatch the demon parts when i ah, rewatched the se- the, the ep- different
1: part. like selective parts
3: uh travis <laughs> what did i say oh just how cringy the whole wesley cordelia thing is I it's like extra cringy. Yeah, I really uh, pump it up a notch this episode. Yeah,
2: I asked um, my girlfriend Harriet, who's from England, about this um, because uh, I just was wondering if how it would read to an English person, since Wesley is ostensibly an English person. Because the uh, in England, what I found out in the conversation, and because it, because the you're done with high school at sixteen, and Cordelia's character is supposed to be eighteen, right? Uh, and so what i found out was apparently the age of consent in england is 16 and the uh the um there are no more rights than you that you get after 18 like you're a f- complete adult at 18. Wow. there's no like 21 yeah. thing like we have uh so you can run it's for still king creepy king is what we determined though like uh, through the discussion is like we decided definitely still creepy regardless of cultural context because it's about Wesley's role. Right. Um, and it's yeah. about Cordelia's role. And she's, you know, in context, she's a high school student and in context, Wesley is, whatever Wesley is definitely some form of authority there. Authority so
0: it's, it's <laughs> legit weird. He's even at the, like, um, what do you call it? The spirit rally. rally or whatever, rally. like pep rally. He has what no is reason wrong. to be at that pep rally. No,
3: he doesn't. What, what, yeah. Well, yeah, what's what's her read on Cordelia's um, desires? Like, what's her read on Cordelia? Is she like, she has a crush? Is she like, go girl? Or is she like, that's okay? Just don't act on it? Like, what was her? What was her take on that? Because, that, oh, oh, I didn't ask like, Harriet about that specifically. Um, because we, we see Xander's gotten still a crush yeah. on, you know, teachers as well. That's a whole, it's like a one way thing where it's like, kind of normal for a younger person to have a crush on someone yeah. older. it's, a lot of times it feels normal as long as it's not acted on right
2: exactly i think it's yeah. fine for her to be an 18 year old kid to have a crush on an adult yeah obviously they sh- and again it's not about age so much as it's about power right yeah, it's, power. It's, it's about their their roles and the power of those roles
3: yeah and there's yeah the, so, the social dynamic yeah yeah but i was just wondering what she would how she reads cordelia i'll have to ask her yeah that'd be awesome
1: hey guys um, is wesley gonna wait until cordelia graduates
3: yeah probably Got a couple more episodes to find out. My lips are sealed.
0: Uh, uh, John, um, my brother was asking how you were and stuff and I was like, oh, he's moving to England. And Liam, tell, Liam told me the correct way to pronounce it, to pronounce uh, England is england. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that I know that now. And I was like, oh, did you hear that from like a British person or something? And he was like, no, I read it in the dictionary. Um, so just so you know it's england
3: it's good that you got this corrected right now oh
2: man phew i really that could have saved me some out. embarrassment <laughs>
3: just like
1: uh, I mean, right. how, you're not gonna say england very often though right
0: like it's just like you don't say the united states very often Liam has really weird ways of pronouncing things. And some of them is that he reads the dictionary a lot and then like reads the caption. And then some of them are like rules he's created in his head. Like he's, another one that he said during our conversation was like, he was like, I had some hot chocolate, but he said, I had some hot choco-late. And I was like, why, why did you say chocolate? late And he said, because like, if I say- t- forever, <laughs> a Specific combination of words that I can go to hell for like a thousand years or something. So I avoid it by saying choco-late. Um, so there's a <laughs> there's a lot of things going on with my brother's pronunciation of words. Wild. And then um, I also I
3: also still love how the fact that there's still the writers still love angels behind the mirror. Just just watch out. Just turn around. You know, there's so many mirror gags. Just they love it. You know, it's like the first five times not enough. Like we gotta <laughs> keep going with this, guys no if i was
0: if i was running a vampire tv show i would never get tired of it i would yeah. set like so many vampires on in a house show. of mirrors just to-
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's some really great mirror stuff um oh man all right sorry you got the next
0: one oh, i do too still
3: oh yeah mike was it a surprise um at the end for jonathan was it the surprise
1: Totally a surprise because they interrogated him. It revealed nothing except he's a lonely dude and not, I didn't realize he was so lonely. He wanted to off himself. And then like, I even thought he was under a spell up until he said like, I'm lonely and depressed or whatever. And it's like, I, I still, I don't know. I have a prediction related to Jonathan. We can get to later, but like, I still couldn't believe it when it was happening. It just felt such so out of character for him. I
3: loved how sweaty he was. He had this really sweaty desperation. And it was like, amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I wondered about you and Jonathan, just because your experience with Jonathan, Jonathan has been so affected by like us talking about him all the time. Yeah, right. So like, this wouldn't be like a normal viewer experiencing this episode for the first first time and being like, Oh, that background character is actually going to kill people you're like no oh, jonathan the <laughs> yeah
1: you <laughs> guys Stratus, all love you guys like, love jonathan every episode he's in uh and so i was like annoyed and confused by how much attention you give him and i see it happening with wesley also so i know that wesley must turn around and become a better person that you guys like
0: when i don't know what you're breaks with the
1: watcher council whatever it is and so like right now you guys are all like ah, wesley sucks wesley's kind of he's kind of annoying i'm like it's fine he's a weirdo who gives a shit <laughs> it's also super weird you take and then back. like here he was going to kill himself and you guys all love Jonathan so I know there's a turnaround for this character where mm. he does something more loving or it's just the Academy Awards I, I don't know yet it's going to be years before I discover the truth but anyway
3: uh, isn't it so cool that he's been this big character for three seasons and, and like then he finally gets his time to shine like, what? like how cool is that as like, like an extra to be hanging on, and then like that gets to happen. I don't know. I, I was just thinking about how rare that is that you see like extras hang around for years on this on a TV set, and then all of a sudden they get their awesome episode.
0: Yeah, and this is like, I mean, this is some shit. real this legit some real shit. This is some real dramatic shit. acting, which yeah. he had never done before, right? Like, yeah, ah, uh, Danny Strong.
1: I hope he's getting paid enough that like he can stick around, right? This, this has got to be his only
3: gig. At that time, I think it was, but he's yeah, he's, doing, he's doing good for himself now.
2: Okay, so predictions.
3: Virgin predictions.
2: Mike, you are currently at a 68.2%. It's going to fall too. I can 2, feel it. Dude. Okay. <laughs> okay. In season two, episode 15, Mike, you predicted that this is not the last time that someone will assume Xander is gay. Now, oh. I'm not so sure if we can um, deny you this one, though, or confirm it, rather, because uh, it was Larry the first time and it's Larry <laughs> the second time. So is this the same assumption this is kind of the same assumption or is it a new assumption
1: i just can't believe they did the
0: same joke again (laughs) i was cringing during that whole scene i think it counts just because it's it's bringing it's bringing the same theme back which is okay prediction is like all right we'll give that one to you mike i can't believe they did the same
2: joke
1: with the same person though okay so tb
2: now season two episode 22 mike predicts that there will never be a jonathan focused
0: episode (laughs) I don't think this counts, Jonathan. I don't think it counts. Is has a larger part to play in this episode than before, but it's not focused on him. Uh, okay, he's just the red herring, the twist. Like,
2: yeah, I kind of agree with that. I don't think uh, this is a Jonathan episode. Yeah. yeah, that means
1: there's a real Jonathan episode coming. All right, can't wait.
2: <laughs> Sorry, my poker face totally broke. Fuck. <laughs> 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 okay season three episode six mike predicted that giles slash joyce will not talk about hooking up ever again the show is going to respect their discretion now does that mean that this is the first one i thought of this they
0: will, will not talk about out.
2: it with each other
1: i think the show did not respect their discretion <laughs> at all. i thought it would never get brought up again so it clearly did okay all right we'll deny that one
0: yeah
2: I think that might be it.
1: I, it's just interesting. The context of us being a psychic is what's required to bring that story up. They had it so locked down, but
2: it's still top of mind.
1: <laughs> Don't tell.
2: <laughs> and indeed. Yeah. That, that's, that's the only ones that we have to do. Just the two. I thought there was more than that, but it's just the cool. Two, I have two new three.
1: predictions okay. for you. Uh, one, Jonathan is going to have a full social recovery after this episode. Full social recovery. And the second one, um, This one's I don't know when it's gonna take place. Faith is gonna become a vampire. Oh, where'd that come from? There's just no other way, folks. She's on a dark road. (laughs) She's gonna be the first slayer to be a vampire. I don't know how it will happen.
3: Would you call her uh, was it a slampire or a or a a Vlayer? What would her (laughs) You know a slayer and a vampire, like what would you what would the cognate be?
0: I think Sl- slampire sounds terrible. So it's slampire? Slaypire? What about slaypire? slaypire. Oh, wait, that's terrible. Vamper?
3: Vamp layer? I'm just kidding. Ignore me.
1: So, the only way to figure it out is by making dad jokes until it like starts to make sense. Just like, keep punning until. Yeah. You just keep uh, kicking the
3: can down the road.
1: Yeah, so I I don't know what season. I don't think it's this season. I just, I feel like that's where her career is coming, going. Okay.
3: Cool. <laughs> her career, It's sounds like Elijah Dushku. <laughs> it's like, Elijah Dushku will become a vampire. That's just kind of the way her career is going. Yeah, that's what's happening.
0: You know, she has, in real life, aged a lot less than everybody else on this show, so... Just saying. Suspicious.
1: Oh, interesting. Oh, maybe in real life, became a vampire,
0: <laughs> along with Keanu Reeves, famously. Famously a vampire, Keanu Reeves. Yes. <laughs> uh, so my uh, yeah. The kill count. My kill count for this episode is a pathetic two demons. Like probably our lowest kill count ever. So small. Um, and then my recommendations.
3: Recommendations.
0: Uh, the movie Scanners, uh, which is a great psychic movie. Uh, the Dead Zone, uh, Stephen King's psychic movie. And not super related to psychics, but has like, I mean, has psychic abilities and stuff. But more related to the road Michael Poley's going down. The Lawnmower Man. Uh, What do you you mean? Because Mike's experimenting with virtual reality and lucid dreaming. uh, So you're pretty close to becoming the Lawnmower Man right now. (laughs) So I just want you to watch that movie uh, as a cautionary tale. Don't get too far into virtual reality, man. I've had a lucid dream almost every night.
1: Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not controlling them, though just remembering mm. them i'm just awake
3: you're just
0: a pawn
1: i feel like a pawn in my own yeah. mind
0: usually when i lucid dream like i thought lucid dreams were like you have full control but it's more like you're just aware at least for me it's like you're aware you're in a dream and it changes the way you can interact a little but you're still just like a dude on a journey you're not like controlling the journey right
1: there are techniques apparently for controlling what the dream is about and what what happens in it they involve waking during your fifth sleep cycle, fifth REM period. <laughs> or there's this device that this book tries to sell. It's like Google a nice calendar that it's still available where supposedly you wear this uh, eye mask with orange uh, lights that are, that go off when your eyes start to flicker into REM, which then, you know, 80% of the time you interpret as just part of your dream world, but sometimes will awaken you. And if you are like, Oh yeah, the lights. Mm. And then you can be alert in
0: the dream. All right, let's move on to the heavy shit now.
3: Deep stuff.
2: I feel like, I mean, this maybe this was supposed to be in questions, I don't know. But uh, I was looking forward to this because I feel like some of the heavier stuff we talk about, I feel like we're under qualified to talk about. Like, we're yeah. just some, some guys. But we are of the exact age uh, to be a part of this. Uh, we were uh, juniors in high school uh, when Columbine happened. Those kids were, like, almost exactly our age. Uh, I looked a lot of this stuff up
0: uh, over the last few days. We wore black trench coats.
2: We wore yeah. black trench coats, although maybe they didn't. I saw the whole trench coat mafia thing was apparently a thing at this school. And it was, like, a group of people. Um, at Columbine High School And they like had a photo in the yearbook And but the um, the Columbine Killers the two of them um, Were not terribly associated with them So Although we, yeah we had this thing at the time Where we were all wearing black trench coats And then I think we all stopped doing it yeah. Right beforehand And then the whole Columbine thing happened And we got a lot of looks afterwards
1: Probably because of the weather right Because it was in April
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That may have had something to do yeah. with it. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> I mean, how did it impact you guys? My memory is that it, it actually had surprisingly little effect at the time. That Columbine had little effect? Yeah, I mean I don't recall that the school I mean, Dennis, you were moved on to a new school by that time. But yeah, um dude. I mean for I, I think for it us,
0: affected us a lot.
2: Yeah, almost nothing happened at Oakwood High School is my memory.
0: Although, you know, like school shootings is a perennial thing that as we're recording this, there is, you know, it's in the news cycle now. Um, And I just want to say like that the kids of this generation are handling things a lot better than we did. Like they're being activists and the organized um, school walkout and stuff like we we didn't do that. Um, So I just think the kids these days are doing good.
2: Agreed.
1: Yeah, I, I want to show support for them in whatever way we can so that they know that they should keep doing it because like, you know, if it's money or whatever to encourage them to do it because it's totally rad that's, happen- that's happening and that's, that'll totally have an impact even if legislators ignore it now. Those people are all going to vote next
3: year. Yeah. A lot of them. kids it at my school a- walked out. <clears> throat> <It's>, throat> uh, you know, I mean, it, they, it's funny. The writers t- write about it like school shooters was like an old like trope. Which is, which is really, you know, so disconcerting. This was 1999, even before, um, you know, there was like the high school, that it was all the high school incidents. And there's been so many, you know, since Columbine, but it's it just, it's so disheartening that it was an old, the way they referred to it, it was just like, oh God. Yeah. Nothing, nothing has changed for so long. And you're right, we didn't, we didn't walk out or do any protests at, at our high school. You know, part of it, we had an ultra conservative principal at the time. Um, I'm remembering our, pr- our principal correctly. You know, I definitely regret that nothing, nothing important, nothing profound came out of that. Uh, interestingly, at that time, the assault weapons ban was still in effect. That, that expired in 2004. So maybe we were lulled into a false sense of security because, hey, we had the assault weapons ban. I mean, clearly that's not enough, right? It's
0: I remember um, in my high school, that same year but i don't remember now if it was before or after the Combine shooting there was also an anthrax scare um and it turned out it was one of the students had sent chalk in the mail but like, claiming it was anthrax and like you know like our whole school got shut down and everybody got bused to different schools while they were investigating and stuff um, so it was just it was i don't know it was just definitely in the air that that feeling of like not being safe in the school even if it wasn't from even if you weren't thinking like assault rifles could kill you like there was still that feeling of like high school is dangerous i was Sorry. talking to
1: my wife about this episode and she's like i was like oh columbine and she's like oh in virginia tech it happened too right and i was like no that's later right it's just yes. like there's been so many she's like oh the virginia tech one oh was it you know, yeah, <laughs> right. was it wasn't the it wasn't the batman one because that's that's much later you know
0: <laughs> yeah there's just so many of them. Aurora, to
1: the Aurora one, right? Aurora, yeah, yeah.
2: But I think before UT is the is, is they think the immediate reference in this episode. That's why oh, it's up in a tower. Yeah. Yes. Um, the but the um, I think the way that we thought, at least in my memory, the way that we thought about violence in, especially like in in schools, was really different before and after Columbine. The the this idea of like a uh like as I recall, when we people talked about guns in schools, it was a inner city problem it was related to gang violence it was black kids that was how we thought about it right? starter
3: jackets
2: yeah it was it, and the way we reacted to it was all based on that uh and then after columbine there was an idea that it could be the an affluent thing that it could be connected to mental illness and all these other stories that we tell about it right um and i think that definitely started with columbine and which is interesting though because that this episode almost seems because it, it's immediate references UT. It, it almost seems to have more of this like serial killer vibe to it that, mm-hmm. that we have with Columbine rather than thinking about like urban violence. It just, it's a different flavor to the story people are telling about it. Yeah.
0: well, I, I think, yeah, Columbine was the first time it was kind of that, that, that narrative of like, it's the bullied kids. Right. Right. Which is Jonathan fits into that weirdly. Yeah. Uh, I think
2: that's really interesting the whole like this whole like revenge of the nerds narrative that uh and this episode takes a pretty hard line that that narrative is not true or helpful Eh,
3: i Uh, do do you think it was pure accident that they got the white male shooter right i mean i mean was that just because buffy's not a diverse cast or do you think they really got the white male as the shooter honed in because now it's it's clearly white men um who kill people at school
1: i mean the the way that this episode is playing with it right it's like the jonathan thing is total red herring like and he's not going to shoot other people he's just right. going to shoot himself and they set right. it up as a trick for the audience to reference ut right whatever the most well-known school shooting or shooting at that mass shooting at the time and it's a trick and then he's actually going to kill himself with a rifle somehow and like that's I'm not saying, I, sorry, John, you, you had a point before Travis was asking about the white male thing. You were, and, and if you could repeat that, sorry. Just that
2: like, I, I feel like this, they, and you're right, that it's interesting that it's not, he's not going to hurt anybody but himself, right? Yeah. But I do think that Buffy says to him, like, you feel this sense that you're being excluded, that nobody wants to talk to you, nobody wants to be around you but what you need to realize is that your pain is just like everybody else's pain. Everybody else's experience. I feel like Buffy is, is refuting a certain revenge in the nerds narrative of like, you know, you're like, as a geek, you feel special, you feel excluded. You feel like right. nobody gets you. And the point Buffy makes to him is that that is a fundamentally selfish way of looking at the world.
0: And yeah. that's the thing her powers taught her this episode is like empathy. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't feel like, so in, in related to the white comment though, like I don't or that you were talking about Travis, like I don't think Buffy has really dealt with race that much that I've ex- in this episode, in the show at all.
3: Yeah. So uh, what I, what I was saying is they nailed the profile.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, totally. I, oh the question yeah. Is,
3: is it by accident? Probably because, because it's just, not, I mean, I was just sort of saying, do you think it was an accident because it's an all white cast? Um, do you think it was deliberate? I mean, clearly now we know white male shooter. Danger, danger, danger.
2: I will yeah. say I don't, I think it's not an accident in as much as most the, most
3: male the most Buffy,
2: movie. if Buffy were to have written about uh, a school shooting that was, uh, you know, was a black kid, they wouldn't have written it this way probably, right? right. It's written within a, a, a certain mindset of what a school shooter is, right? That they're the inwardly lonely troubled. Nerd. Say what? It's the lonely nerd. Like you were saying. Yeah, the lonely nerd. An yeah. A type. Type. Yeah. I think that he, I think it's not an accident that it's, that it's a white character because that's the, the the archetype they're working out of right
1: but they also like hint at the school shooter could be the news the journalist right because he's uh i don't know i don't know why he's, know he's a misanthrope are. he's you know he's yeah uh, and also this crazy teacher you know that doesn't really like i don't does that story get concluded with the teacher no uh, uh, barely really asks,
0: asks him directly and that's it <laughs> are you gonna kill people tomorrow for the yearbook
1: and then it ends up being this banal you know the person that's trying to kill people is going to do in their food
0: (laughs) at school yeah Uh, Yeah, i actually wonder uh to get sillier for a second like xander saves everybody i guess but like did anyone eat that rat poison before uh he got oh yeah who knows
2: also like there were a lot of people eating that jello Xander saved a lot of people just then. I'm wondering who is like, it may be up there with how many high school students Buffy has saved. Because <laughs> she got a lot things. at once is all I'm saying. He <laughs> got you a got lot got at once.
0: once. Yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> I guess Buffy's gotten a lot at once too though, at, at, at certain points. There's a
3: double thing here where, where men are more likely than, than, than women to, co- <laughs> to successfully commit suicide with a gun, to, um, to have a suicide um, attempt and end their life. I think Buffy also got that right by accident. Um, and gun is the preferred method for men, um, for males. So I mean, I think a lot of it is, I mean, some of it they probably did some research, because they're, you know, they're, they're a network show. I'm sure they had someone doing some research. Um, but it's, but yeah, I think they got some of this right by accident.
2: It's also the second even, time Buffy's had to uh, like talk somebody third time. Somebody's tried to talk somebody back from the brink by like abusing them by like yelling at them. Him. Like uh, she, uh, when she like talks to, she tries to talk Angel down from suicide by oh. telling him that his pain doesn't count. This is her she redemption tries, episode. She tries to talk down uh, <laughs> what's her name who is in an abuse situation right. um, by, by telling her just to like be tough about it. Yeah. But yeah, I, just, I don't <laughs> think
0: she does that in this episode. I mean, this is, no, episode, I guess not. This is very specifically about her. Like, Relating to people. Like, yeah. She's not angry. Yeah. She's like, we all feel these veins. Like, I learned empathy through magic powers. Yeah. Um.
2: No, I agree. And I'm also way more on Buffy's side about this. It, it like, I feel like around the time I was Jonathan's age was in this episode is when I figured out that like, oh, people aren't like being mean to you because of you. That's just how people are. And there's nothing like, you're not owed anything. And you were, you, learned that episode, you learned that lesson by watching Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, right? I don't think I've ever seen that movie, Dennis. Is that, is that what that's no, no, about? You, it's just, it's you've totally seen that movie.
0: for you not to have seen that, John. Seen I have that. not seen that movie. I, I, I have, have no Lisa various, Kudrow's in it. I have a very specific yeah, memory of you talking about how me. you had like um, a script in your head and then you watched that movie and you're like, oh, it did everything I wanted to do in my script. Oh. Uh, so you've definitely watched that movie because yeah. oh. it was about people who thought they were bullied and then they find out that they were the bullies Oh, and you totally, yes. you it's totally wow. told me you, you were like, I'm not going to write that anymore <laughs> because I watched Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion.
2: Oh, I, so, wow. Okay. I apparently totally <laughs> forgot all about it.
0: So I, I had my,
1: the theme question at the top here, which was that our expectations of school shooters have changed since this episode aired. And I wonder how you would do this in a modern show like how you would handle school shooters i think travis you hinted at like oh this would be the first this would be a pilot episode for an extended season obviously you'd lose the rat poison in the cafeteria but like you you know what what would be the characteristics here's my here's what i'm curious about so like what would be the characteristics of the shooter now and then how would the gang because they're going to solve the school shooter like how would they go about it and then Would I mean, (laughs) you'd also have to have a supernatural element, we'll figure out what that is. But, like, so, how would what would the characteristics be
0: of this? Well, uh, the first season of American Horror Story has a school shooting. Oh, does it? Okay, yeah. So, I think that is the most contemporary thing we can point to because it also has a supernatural element. It's like the kid who's a loner weirdo, and it turns out he's a ghost, and it turns out he's a ghost of a school shooter. Um, so it isn't, I mean, it's treated a lot heavier than this episode is, but it's also because. American Horror Story is not a great show. <laughs> it's not <laughs> really uh, treated with the weight it, a big subject like this deserves. So it's no, bad. there's I'm been no question of what would a good version of a show like this yeah. do in a discontemporary setting. Because I think I think Travis is right. This would be like the full season, and maybe the thing closest to this is like Thirteen Reasons Why. Right, Where, which yeah. is about suicide, but it's like every episode is an ex- i haven't actually watched 13 reasons why because i don't want to watch things about suicide um <laughs> yeah uh, but it seems like it's like every episode is examining one of the reasons why this person claims they committed suicide right right um so it'd probably be something similar to that but right because I mean, it's
1: such a serious subject and there hasn't been a serious show about it right
2: yeah uh 13 reasons why apparently the second season is going to be about a school shooting oh <laughs>
0: Which is, I mean, I mean, the. It's so it's weird. A, it? Another season of a show I'm not gonna watch.
3: I mean, the problem. I mean, it, the weird thing is, there's been so many that have happened. It's just, it boggles the mind. It's, it. You think it would be a, a very simple or, or straightforward show because there's been so many real life examples. I and that you feel
1: can, like every high school show that's set in a high school has to have a
3: school should, shooter episode. It yeah, it should. Like to be yeah um. I mean, he's
1: probably one unsaved by the bell you know yeah sure
3: i think episode. <laughs> yeah. The, the,
2: the question is whether or not you frame it in terms of bullying right and i think uh, my hope is is that they wouldn't because i think that's a really tired narrative and it, it doesn't capture a lot of the reality of these things
3: I think nowadays it wouldn't like if there was a period of time where yeah. it was like, this was the bully type episode, but now right. no one we know, I think that, yeah, that's not, I think there'd be a much more realistic. I like think what Mike, Mike was getting at, would it be more realistic? Yes. Way more realistic. I think um, when it went it, for the motivations for sure.
1: Well, I think they definitely have multiple suspects, you know, in the same way this had multiple suspects, you know, in there, you know, you'd have the more obvious, person that was the more like bullied person as the red herring as the person you'd be most worried about and then they would probably just commit suicide or whatever in a school shooting thing and then it'd be this other person that was just like hated people for another reason or hated you know was unloved for different reasons that were invisible um yeah i don't know it just that's what you think about when you watch this episode (laughs)
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, much like Dennis says, I mean, this is such a real obvious problem. I don't want to watch a TV season about this. I want this problem to to have real resolution. I don't need to go through this. I mean, it, it's nice that Buffy does the monster of the week to have the monster that can't be the monster, but yeah, um, this is like one of those things where it's just, you know, just so frustrating
2: people people seem like they see whatever narrative they want to see in school shootings like people who want to bring people who want to tell a story about bullying are going to see a story about bullying in school shootings people who want to see like if you're michael moore and you're you know you're going to look at it columbine you're going to see a story about the you know larger violence in american culture or whatever if you are interested in gun control you're going to see a story that's about gun control and you know i mean i have my own stories that i see in it and for me yeah gun control is the story there but it really does seem like it's a big Rorschach test and people kind of tell the story out of it that they want to tell.
0: So I think a TV writer would have to do that because what else yeah. can you do? Yeah. Or because you've got a whole TV season, you can explore all those aspects, I guess.
3: Yeah, I guess, yeah. So
0: maybe on one
3: episode is to the bullying, one episode is due to failure in the safety checks of who should or should not be on lists. Another one is about the dangers of social media. Another one is about um, substance abuse and mental illness, another episode. I mean, yeah, you could certainly, and it goes on and on and on. Yeah, you could definitely have a- Geez, you're season.
1: really nailing it. <laughs> well, you can have, you know,
3: like I said, we've been through this in America for so long. Yeah. I saw and that article, John, that
0: your dad posted. on. Oh, Jesus the Christ. <laughs> Yeah, so uh,
2: speaking of, yeah, so Dayton people are here. The the current uh, state representative for a good chunk of Dayton uh, has proposed that students should be allowed to carry guns. So like, his specific recommendation is that stu- uh, high school seniors age 18 and up should be allowed to carry long guns, not handguns, but long guns in school. Since they're allowed to anyway, they should be
3: allowed in school.
0: Yeah.
2: So, I yeah, yeah I got I'm so fast. jealous
3: you're moving to England. Um, <laughs> England. It's oh, England. I'm so jealous, you're England. England does not have these problems.
2: No, they don't. And I got to tell you, it's gonna be amazing for you. There. My attitudes about gun control have really been affected by being in a relationship with somebody from another country because she looks at this and it's just like you know I look at it, and you know because of my American background, I'm like oh you know. Uh the Second Amendment is one important value, but blah, 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 blah. And she looks at it and she says, like, you people are insane. How about no guns? That would be sane. And I gotta say, I am You're so lucky. I'm feeling that. That makes a lot more have a lot more sense to me now than it did uh when I was younger. <laughs> it's yeah. really it's really crazy. I the you know, cool, and even like mass shootings aren't really the problem, right? And I'm gonna get on a soapboxy here thing, or we can cut this out, but like mass shootings only account for a tiny sliver of people who die from handguns it's it's and it's not it's not assault rifles either or you know whatever it's it's a it's a bunch of really ordinary shit it's yes it's mainly suicides a lot of accidents a lot of individual homicides Right, and it's not assault weapons. It's not big, scary, military-looking guns. It's not all AR-15s. Like, yeah. if we actually want to make a dent in people who are dying from guns, we have to say that semi-automatic guns have to go, which means ordinary guns. And like, there I feel a, like that's actually a mainstream opinion, but people
0: are afraid to say it. Like, there was a shooting outside my apartment last week. Um, yeah, and the shooter or the the victim, I thought he was actually the shooter. He walked by my apartment, and then like the cops swarmed on him. And the way they were treating him, I thought he was a shooter because I just, I didn't Jesus. open my door obviously, but I could hear them yelling at him and like,
3: yeah,
0: you know, I didn't realize he was like bleeding out on the ground and stuff in front of my apartment. But <sighs> oh no, Christ, you know, the cops he definitely tried, treated him like he was the shooter. They're like, why were you there? What like, why did you have a gun and stuff? So I guess both people had the gun, had the gun. I heard like six shots in a row, really quick, which made me think it was like a semi-automatic because it was like, you know,
3: uh,
0: Santa Rosa. Yeah, yeah, it happened right in my parking lot. Like, yeah, I mean, this thing happens, and then the next day in Yauntville, there was a hostage situation, which is where yes. my aunt lives. There was a hostage situation at the veterans' home. Yeah. Um. So it was like a really crazy week last week for me with guns, where I was just like, Yeah, we had a hostage situation here last week, like over in
1: Northwest <laughs> Portland. That's like a really nice part of Portland. It's shocking. Yes. It's all
3: over all the time, right? Every, every yeah. day there's a mass shooting in America. Um, there's over 300 and some odd mass shootings.
1: How many people here. had fun target shooting last week? You know, like who gives a fuck? Yeah, fuck who gives know? a fuck? Hey, Jesus. So,
0: so Buffy since, Virgin so, is
2: pro-gun control. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here
0: first. We're going to get like, so much hate from the NRA. this episode is, um, <laughs> like, deals with such serious topics, I want to bring up my theme discussion thing, which is like, that usually Buffy deals with real world problems with a metaphor to code it. Um, But I, this episode, the metaphor is wrapped up in something else. It's wrapped up in the high schooler having psychic powers, which teaches her empathy or something. Um, So to me, I wonder like, should the shooting and the suicide be addressed on a more magical level or are these problems just so big and so large that they like rip past the metaphor and just have to be dealt head on? Like, cause usually what the metaphor is about is like, my boyfriend is mean to me now. So now he's, you know, it's like using the vampire metaphor for something like in your daily life, you know? But this is like something that unfortunately is part of daily life as Travis has pointed out. But like, is too large maybe for the like fictional fantasy coding we want for it, you know? Um So anyway, that's that's what I was thinking about.
1: I mean, it's the hyper empathy that triggers the monster. Like, is the that triggers Buffy's ability to even see that this is coming? Otherwise, Jonathan just kills himself, right? Without her and this hyper empathy, which by the time she gets to Jonathan, she doesn't have that power anymore. She's just her regular Buffy self. She's not a hyper empathic empathic person. So. She solves the person. You know, it feels very TV friendly, where it's like, "Hey, that was you all. You know, you have those powers all along to like understand what's going on with people." Uh, there's definitely a, a bit of that, like monster metaphor.
0: Yeah, but it's it doesn't it kind and of
1: becomes just, more human, right? Yeah,
0: I guess it's just that it's like a real gun that it he, he doesn't have like a video gun or something. <laughs> you know yeah yeah uh, uh you, or like he isn't like you like you thought he might have been possessed by a spell he's not possessed oh. by a spell he's suicidal right um and it's maybe just like there i don't know i was just thinking about this idea of like there are some things that are so large that can't be dealt with on the fantasy basis yeah some some big societal problems
3: yeah i mean the things that work best on the fantasy basis are those Personal problems, adolescent problems, relationship problems. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. I don't I, I think they barely barely deal with it at the end of this episode, but they don't they don't sugarcoat it with magical stuff,
0: which yeah. is nice.
3: There's no there's no um, you know, magical fairy dust sprinkle you know, sprinkled on the top of Jonathan's like suicide attempt. It's like, no, he had to go to counseling. He yeah. got suspended. That was good. I mean, it's also it's always that thing with Buffy. It's like, man, this episode needs another. Ten minutes or another five minutes. Uh, yeah,
0: let's follow Jonathan the counseling. It's like, uh, can we can
3: we lose a fix- comical fight scene in the in the cafeteria? You know? Yeah, the shift in tone is so weird. It's jarring.
1: No, <laughs> yeah. it, I mean it's clearly an executive producer decision, right? <laughs> or something. Is how it feels. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I uh, yeah, and it feels like you know maybe they. They weren't setting out to make like this heavy episode. This is just where the story <laughs> found its way. Right. Now, yeah. And
2: it's added, also but this is like the
0: fifth time.
3: There's like the fifth or tenth time. Like there's something really heavy and it's like, oh, we can't they, really
0: end on that. You know, did they like,
1: add the rat poison after Columbine? Did they add that scene?
0: I don't think so. No, uh, but I don't know. Um, um, so it feels like that's always how it was structured to be. Like Yeah.
2: We, yeah. I think it maybe though if like they're hadn't been a bunch of school shootings uh you know i mean afterwards i mean obviously there were some beforehand but like i feel like this would play differently if columbine hadn't happened like you might the the episode might not read as quite so serious i mean definitely definitely (laughs) the like suicide talking down from suicide scene is pretty serious but like i feel like there's a lot we're bringing to it that the episode didn't have in mind
0: yeah i mean this episode would be very different if there weren't real life school shootings (laughs)
2: Yeah. yeah. Or or if the last one anybody could remember was was University of Texas if that was all our main you know reference it would feel a lot different. Uh
0: so I'll just say um the other kind of theme I was thinking about is the interpretation of Buffy's psychic powers in this episode as mental illness. Um like the hearing voices as her power is like a symptom of like some mental illnesses. Um Oh sure, yeah. So one I'm you know familiar with through my brother uh so, and the episode doesn't really dwell on it. I mean, it just, it does make a couple comments about like, she'll go insane. But um, I would just like to think this is like a borderline positive portrayal of mental illness, just because the mental illness doesn't lead her to violence, um, which like usually when they portray somebody as like schizophrenic or something on a show, they're violent, you know? Um, so she's still Buffy. She uses her insights for good um, and she's not any more violent than she usually is so i don't know if that was an intended interpretation that's Um, interesting yeah just something i was thinking about yeah uh so mike uh how do you (laughs) rate this episode
1: so uh despite the insanity that we're talking about i really enjoyed watching this episode in part because i think of the weird like time warp sad time warp of this problem not being solved and then i not really having memories of how school shootings were treated pre-Columbine like I I didn't know that shoes shows really dealt with that in the world of supernatural kind of fun shows like like this so like it just every like all the jokes like hit really hard to me like I laughed too hard at every one of Xander's gags and like you know Cordelia's joking about school shootings. so like I don't know it just felt like a like a simpler time but still deeply Mm -hmm. sad so like I want to see more episodes like this and I don't mean literally like this, but just episodes that like make it clearer, like what the world was like before nine 11 and before Columbine and like before Iraq and Afghanistan and shit like stuff that's just like clear line in the sand of what the world was like before. And like, I know you guys are really nostalgic for uh, the iRobot episode, you know, where, you know, there's like talking about like this early cyber cyber in the computer kind of villain or whatever. And like, you know, early weird internet stuff. This was more impactful for me. I really liked this one. I didn't care so much for early internet as much, but this was great. Uh, this like this made me think a lot and it was really painful and funny. And then it's stupid too. It was great. I want more episodes like this.
0: Awesome, thanks. Uh, this has been Buffy Virgin, I'm Dennis St. John. You can buy my comics on Amazon. I'm on Twitter at Dennis Comics. Uh, Mike, where can people see you, Lucid Dream?
1: Oh, geez. On my YouTube channel, uh, Michael Poley. And a shout out here. Uh, David Yoder who has been a guest on the show, started a new podcast uh, where he watches Smallville with his roommates. I'm sure Dennis will be on it. I'm um, going to be on the second episode. Oh, the awesome. Boy.
0: we're on Buffy Virgin. We're about to get out of high school. So of course, I ah. need to start doing a new podcast where I'm going to be trapped in high school again. For <laughs> right back time. in high school, man. <laughs> but
3: the
1: podcast is called save me from this podcast. And I wrote a rap song that plays in the intro, which I like, I heard the other day uh, yesterday and it just filled me with so much joy. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm excited to listen to that podcast. That's it's, even though I, I don't care about Smallville so much, but I listened to the first 15 minutes. It is damn funny. Uh, to hear Yoder interview his former roommates who had no knowledge of Smallville before he forced them to listen or watch it, whatever. whatever. And he also interviews his parents. Yeah, I mean, It is weird. <laughs> it is a weird,
0: fun show. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.